how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Now in its 26th year, the Austin Film Festival was founded by Barbara Parker in 1993. At the time, she had no film experience, but through her leadership, the festival has been at the forefront of, un of uncovering new voices in the film industry from all over the world. Currently, the festival sees 20,000 plus attendees each year, and notable past participants include Ron Howard, Harold Ramis, Oliver Stone, David Simon, Judd Apatow, Vince Gilligan, and Norman Lear. The event takes place this October, and several writers from HBO will attend, including the writers behind Game of Thrones, Barry, and Veep. In this interview, Morgan discusses why filmmaking shouldn't just be a hobby, why festivals don't try to predict the industry, how making shorts can be like film school, why every choice in a movie matters, why filmmakers need to know math for career longevity, and why persistence is everything. If you enjoy this interview, join thousands of viewers for our new YouTube series, also called Creative Principles. I actually went to school here in Austin at UT for math. Um, and then I uh, stayed here after college and just um, did finance, actually, for radio and television stations uh, for a while. And then kind of got bored and started working with some musicians um, and then just, you know, always loved film. My mom was a huge film fan and used to really encourage um, watching lots of films. And so uh, there was no film festival here in Austin at the time. And I just, you know, thought one day, well, I've been doing all this producing some music shows, working with musicians and, you know, how hard would it be to do a film festival? So that's kind of what started it. Uh, it was it was a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> what, what was that first year like compared to now in, in terms of, like, number of entries and visitors and those kind of things? Well, you know, it's funny. The truth is, as far as, far as um, sort of the feel of it, very much the same as now. Um, as far as the the size way smaller. Um, the first year, I have to say, we were we were really shocked. We when we opened up the screenplay competition, we thought we'd maybe get 200 entries, 300 at best. We ended up getting over 1,200, and we just, you know it was a, a real struggle to figure out how to um, get them all read and. Uh, addressed before the festival. Um, we didn't have a film competition the first year, and we started that the second year. And uh, we just did invitation only the first year. 
and it was really difficult getting films. Um, the second year when we had the competition, we got a few hundred entries, uh, and and it was, I think the first year the event was four days total. Now it's nine. So, so I mean, structurally, we're just a lot larger. There are a lot, there were only, I think, 380 people that, that bought a badge. So, I mean, I feel like where we've really changed is in, in the number of people that essentially touched the festival, either through our competition this year, we got over 12,000 scripts in and we got, I think 60, just around 6,300 films. What does your team look like? Who's like filtering those initial entries? I mean, everyone kind of has their own taste. Like, do you guys talk about, what you're looking for? Do you kind of pass it between each other? How do you start to decide who's going to at least get to enter the festival? Yeah, well, so so anyone can submit. And and year one we had two, we had three categories. We had uh, short scripts. We had a short script competition. We had um, a basic drama category and a comedy category. And that has morphed now into, as far as screenplay, into, I think it's 12 or 15 different categories because we now do pilots and podcasts and um, there's so many different uh, kinds of written media that we're taking. That said, the structure of processing them and reading them down is pretty much the same. We do not look for commercial work. We do not at all try to predict the industry. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's just foolish. And we really look for craft. It's very craft oriented. The people that tend to move up. Um, it's funny though, because the nickel, which is part of the Academy has been doing it a lot longer than us. And our winner year one in the drama category was also their winner with a different script. And that's happened. I can't tell you how many times, um, so I think we're we're all really looking for the writing to rise to the top. Or certainly, you know, I know both of us are. We also now have a pilot original series competition and also um, it's one hour and also 30 minutes. And those similarly, uh, you know, we, we really kind of look at ourselves as a place that exists to help writers move to that next level. Um, we're not necessarily trying to put a script out there as the script that somebody needs to come in and make. And and what we are doing is kind of acting as an unofficial clearinghouse for a lot of people, production companies, studios, to look at the content and decide, oh, this, this person's craft is is up to speed they could be somebody who could write on our show um they've got great dialogue we're looking for somebody who can really craft this kind of comedic dialogue you know that that's that's more about what it is um and we have a lot of fellowships and development deals we've got set up with people that are that people in the industry that are that are really looking for new voices and or voices who can fulfill what it is they're looking for um, on their teams. So they come and they either sponsor competitions or mine them or just set up 
opportunities for our people to come in there and get a foot in the door. When you're looking back at all the winners, uh, are there some universal traits that you see among those? It sounds like they put a lot of time into their work, but what else might be something that you know new writers could lean to as far as advice? You know, the, the very, uh, very unwanted answer to that is so many people are really thinking, I've got a great idea. This would make a great movie or this would make a great new Netflix series. And they don't bother to look at the um, the the other more important things that people are looking for, which are persistence, you know, I mean, I, I could actually, we have a, a guy who went to the Missioner Center for Writers who, um, who won our competition drama category when he was there at Missioner. He was, you know, young in his early twenties and he's, he's showing our closing night film. Just Mercy, Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson, you know, that that's nine years ago that he won the competition. Um, he did a couple of films in between, um, but now this is a big title for him. And that's nine years, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what it takes. It's really what it takes. And persistence. And the other thing is you've got to be somebody people want to work with. So I think that's just as important as somebody's craft. I've seen a lot of writers come through who have been finalists or winners, and they were difficult. You know, they they didn't want to change a word. Everything was precious. Um, you know, they they didn't they they didn't want to get notes on anything. You you can't do that. <laughs> Not in that industry. It's a collaborative industry. You know, and so when people come in with a novelist perspective on it, and even in that world, it doesn't work that way. But when they come in with that idea that what they've created is ready to go. Um, they have a very hard time making it. And so I think people have to look at everything in that um, process of getting a movie made and how they fit in in so many ways more than just, did I have a good idea? What advice do you have? It seems like even back to, I think you said you were working at the radio and doing finances. You've always kind of had, it sounds like in hindsight anyway, a, a viewpoint of the, you know, the money side and the creative side of things. What advice do you have for people that are to, to help them find that balance as they're, you know, even if you're just writing things to make sure it's a small budget or it's more likely to get made? Like, what, what advice do you have for people to, to strike that balance in something like that? You know, we, we got a movie in this year we're showing that's a horror movie. It's like a psychological horror movie. It was shot here in Austin. Um, and it it was one where it's clear the filmmakers they'd done other work before the director found a script and um that they, they had backgrounds in this so they weren't brand new to the process and they shot this whole thing in an apartment and I will tell you, normally that makes me crazy. <laughs> it's like you watch an hour and a half. You, got, you become very aware of the environment that you're watching, especially as screens get smaller, um, of of that uh, the settings in somebody's film. And 
they clearly had budget choices they had to make to pull this off. And they did it, I thought, brilliantly. Um, they, they really looked at, and this was advice I got, the first film I made, I did not go to film school, obviously. And the first film I made, somebody very schooled in the business said to me, this is going to be your, your film school. And the one thing you need to know is that you're going to make a lot of choices here, and they're going to be very costly choices. They're going to be either costly for craft or costly for money. And when you make those choices, you should always keep in mind, what's this one piece? What's the life potential of this? What is it going to do for you when you make those choices? What's it going to do for, for the, the film when you make those choices? And that, I will tell you, I also didn't listen to that advice entirely. He said, cut your budget by X dollars, and you'll probably walk away with it, this thing at least breaking even. And I didn't listen to that one piece of advice. And had, had we listened to that advice, we would have actually made money. And the, the reality is that it is a business. It is not just an art. You could make an argument for both of those very easily with um, the product that ultimately is film. But the reality of it is it's a medium that was intended to be viewed by people together for the most part, um, or by people now since we're viewing so much of it alone. But still, the festival shows me that lots of people want to see stuff with an audience. But that's what it's for. And it's not, it's not, uh, it's not the same as so many other pieces of, of art that are dependent on one or a couple of people's visions. And so if you're not looking at all of those things, if you're not looking at the business side of it too, if you're looking at art as being somehow tarnished by business, it's going to be a tough business for you to be in because <laughs> it is a business, you know, they call it the show business. So it's, it's really something to me that I think people especially a lot of people who go to film school and really look at it as their voice, that it is your, it is a group of people's voices and they are definitely, um, you know, if you're going to make it, you better have people who want to see your stuff. And in order to do that, you have to be thinking about all those things. So I really think that a lot of people just don't even, um, they don't want to hear about that part of it. They're offended by it. They're, you know, and I think they shouldn't be. And then another side, I think there is nobody who should go into the film business who doesn't take at least one math class. Because if you can't do math, you're going to get taken advantage of. That's just all there is to it. <laughs> so, I mean, the pro big producers and the studios, they can all do math. So you should be able to do it. I think everybody young will, will get that good advice and then kind of ignore it. It's like you have to make the mistake on your own. Would, would you would you say that knowing that you need to make a little something or get your money back, would you say that idea is more, when you realize that you have a more likely chance of doing this for a career versus, you know, one small film or something like that, when you start thinking about long-term choices like that? Yeah, I think, and I, I think that's an interesting... Um, that's a really good question because I see a lot of people who, who come into this 
and they're really not thinking past that first one. And if, and if that's all you're doing, you know, if you're really just doing a film just to kind of experience it, um, you know, just like you would take a painting class or something, I would say that's a very expensive hobby no matter what you're doing. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just expensive to make a movie, even a small independent film. It's expensive economically. It's also expensive emotionally. It's a, you know, it's a very emotional process making a film. And, and so, so I think if you're, you know, if you're somebody who's serious about wanting to, to do some form of that for a living, um, I really do think you have to, you, you do, as you pointed out, have to make those mistakes for yourself. That's for sure. Um, you know, the, you can tell people the real, the reality of it all you want, but, you know, sometimes you just have to experience what that reality is because in order to really make a movie, you've got to be a true believer. And if you're always listening to people, you're not a true believer, <laughs> you know, you're that's just, they don't go together. So, so that's, you know, I guess my, my thought that way is, if you're going to do it as a hobby, that's, it's an interesting perspective. I don't really get that. Um, if you, if you're going to really hopefully have some career in it in some way. Um, and most people like that really, they have to do it. They're, it's the fulfillment thing. You know what I mean? Like they can't stop themselves. Um, I think you really have to look at, at, uh, the true business side of it too. So what's been your take? I've got some notes here. Um, what's kind of your take on the overall zeitgeist of filmmaking? Like it says here, it was kind of darker after 9-11 happened for a couple of years, and that goes back and forth. Do you see like a, just a common thread, either because of what's going on in the world or popular culture? What kind of makes some of those shifts um, each year to year as you see entries come in? Um. It's funny because it's you know obviously there's a lag even as fast as somebody can make a movie now compared to how how it worked ten years ago um, there's definitely a lag at time so so when you you know obviously when when we went to war again so many years ago um, within two years there are a lot more war movies you know movies addressing war movies addressing veterans movies you know that things definitely have a way like that of um, the trickle down uh, from cultural, large cultural events. At the same time, uh, there are sometimes things that I just never quite can figure out how they, how they all of a sudden we'll have five movies of this ilk, you know, um, that's, that's really interesting to me. I think the biggest changes uh, that you see sort of filtering in really just come out of uh, one huge one is once cable programming, um, once we entered the Sopranos age, you know, the HBO uh, real shift in content, uh, that, that really affected the kind of stories people were telling, they became less formulaic. Um, I think that was great. You know, I mean, I also think it's great that the digital age, though I think it's taken away some things, it's added. I mean, I actually love film. I love watching on 
film. Um, I do think there's a difference. I'm sure many people would argue with me about that, but um, there, there's also, uh, though, an ability for so many different people to be able to come in and tell a story now because they can literally afford to do it. So, um, and that's pretty cool. I think, I don't, I'm, I, I feel like that's more kind of what's happened than just the trickle down of some kinds of storytelling that's come out of, um, what happens to be happening in our environment, you know? You've mentioned uh, you know adding new categories to the festival. Do you also see like you know drastic shifts in like you know there's a lot more TV pilots this year versus films and things like that? Uh, yeah, there are a lot more TV pilots versus film. Um, it's it's really kind of uh, astonishing how fast that shift happened. But I think the other interesting thing is, is even though people are writing it, they're writing it because they think there's opportunity. But still, everybody wants to make a movie. Like, they're making pilots. But what they really want to do is make film. <laughs> That's a conversation I've had with so many people. Really amazing. I mean, people who are now uh, have shifted from film really into that medium of episodic for whatever digital platforms or actual television stations, networks, they're still dreaming of their film. Do, do you see part of the zeitgeist go into the winners as well in terms of like, you know, would a, would a winner today have won back in 2005 and vice versa? If those scripts were in different eras, would it change how good they felt or is it just all about craft irregardless? No, I really do think it's craft. I, I, I don't think that would really change that much. Um, not as far as the pure craft. Like I said, the one thing I am seeing that's different, uh, and I positively different, is that things just are not, they're just not as formulaic as they once were. Um, and I, I think that's been a real benefit for uh, us as viewers uh, because. You know, you see, you see people really taking risks with story that they wouldn't have taken a long time ago. Has also, that also kind of played into the diversity in film for women and people of color? You mentioned one of your winners went on to write Just Mercy, which is a predominantly African-American film. How has that kind of shifted over the years as well? Well, I, I mean, he's actually not African-American, that writer. But, but the, the truth is, I, I think it's just starting to shift. Um, I think that's really the last couple of years where there's been such an outcry, um, and deservedly so, uh, that, that there finally is a shift there. Um, and I'm sure it's going to take a lot more time to, to really get to a point of people feeling that diverse voice into the culture of film in general. Um, I think a lot of that also just has to do with the simple, the reality that if you see somebody that looks like you doing something, your chances, you feel like your chances are better for you, you know? So instead of giving up on that dream, you might, might actually pursue it. And I think, you know, I think that goes for people of color. I think it's the same for women. So um, certainly, certainly more opportunity right now though. That's for sure. 
So you guys have um, been involved with some people like Ron Howard and, and Judd Apatow, David Simon. Can you kind of tell me how those relationships formed and what, in general, what fest, like what benefits are created for creatives like that through festivals like your own? You know, um, I'll tell you what, the, the lesson we learned from all that was like, actually, this was from year one. I didn't have a film background at all. And so I, I don't think I even seen a screenplay when we started this. And I just didn't know that you weren't supposed to call these people and that they, they would take your call. You know, if you, they wouldn't take your call. And what we found was they did take our calls. Um, I don't know why, you know, we called them. <laughs> I really, to this day, I couldn't tell you why, but we did actually get calls back from some pretty big names. And the other reason, so ultimately when you get to some of the names you're talking about who came, you know, a couple years in, um, I remember in like year four, I think, when Oliver Stone agreed to come and I thought, why? Like, why is he coming? Uh, because, you know, it was just, it was crazy. It was like, well, these people will actually um, participate with our little festival. And I think if you, if you, if I could trace it back to why, it was really the fact that when we started this 26 years ago, nobody cared about the screenwriter. We did a commercial 15 years ago where we stood outside of a movie theater, a big art house theater in Austin, the Arbor, and we asked everybody who walked out, it was like 100 people, name a screenwriter. And one person could. And the person they named was a director who was also a writer, but it was a director. And, and I, you know, I, that was the state of things even 10 years ago was that way. Now it's shifted. And that's because of, you know, I'll give it square to cable TV. You know, I mean, they gave us things like Breaking Bad and The Sopranos. And you learned David Chase and Vince Gilligan's names because you loved those shows and you saw their name every week, every week, every week when you watch that show. And so the reason that we originally got big names and we had, I think, a couple of like three or four Academy Award when Robert Town came the first year. I mean, that was crazy. Everybody was like, you'll never get him. And we asked him and he came, you know, the Chinatown guy. And, and it was because nobody invited writers anywhere. I really, that's really what it was about. We got so lucky because we were inviting people who nobody ever invited to the party. It was that simple. And then once we had a few of those big names who had come, then other people were like, oh, this is cool. Harold Ramis came. Then, you know, Judd Apatow loved Harold Ramis. So Judd Apatow came. You know what I mean? Like, that's really kind of what happened. <laughs> um, I wish it was like, you know, some other, how wonderful we were. But really, it was just, we asked the right people who other people wanted to know. And that, you know, it was kind of cool. Everybody wants, everybody wants a screenwriter. You know, if everybody wants to know one, they may not, you know, in Hollywood, I mean, they, all the people who are making film, they can't make one without that guy who's got the idea and who can write it. I mean, that's the first person that, you know, you don't build a house without a blueprint. So uh, that was, just, that's kind of how we got them. Very, 
um, fortuitous, really. Yeah, TV definitely made screenwriters more noticeable and also like less fireable because they weren't they were actually there for everything. Um, I just got a couple more for you. Tell me a little bit about what makes Austin different from some of the other festivals. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing that makes us different um, is is again that that writer aspect. It's the creative. You know, we probably have three things that that make us significantly different than everybody else. Number one is is that is that aspect of um, the person who's telling you from the birth of the film or the show what it is. The second is that we have no VIP places. So what happens is people come to the festival and they're registrants and they want to learn to write and they walk down to the Driscoll bar and the Coen brothers are sitting in the bar at the bar and they go sit next to them or Oliver Stone or whoever else is here speaking. Those people are not separated out. Um, so, you know, that the fact that we don't treat it in that standard way of most film festivals, which is you're either in or you're out. We don't, we just don't do that. And, and then the other is that the, a lot of the people who are coming um, are people who basically are trying to, to themselves break in and have come through the competition and their craft is, uh, is what they're most interested in, 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 in addressing. And so they um, are really well-informed audience and our panelists that come in, they love that, you know, they love to have people uh, who are asking really solid smart questions about the process and who want to talk to them about that rather than um, who'd rather talk to them about what's, what's the problem? How do I fix the problem in my second act rather than what's it like to, to work with Julia Roberts or Brad Pitt? You know, that, our, that's why our audience um, really feeds also the kind of people who come. They, they don't want fandom questions. They want, they want to be talking to people who really care about, about the craft of writing. Do you want to tell me any details about the, uh, the the festival this year? Any specifics you can tell us uh, to promote the event? Yeah, um, well, we really this year's uh, we've been talking about TV a bit here, and this year is really kind of uh, a good example of the way things have gone. We um, have, I think, writers of some of the biggest shows on HBO this year: the Game of Thrones guys, the Chernobyl guys, Barry. Uh, creators, um, you know, we have a lot of heavy TV contingency this year. And and then we're, um, I'm really excited about this, we're honoring James Ivory. Uh, I think it's, you know, always having been a big fan of his work to actually see somebody who you didn't hear his name for a long time and then he comes back and knocks it out of the park with an Academy Award for Call Me By Your Name. And, you know, we're, so we have our usual 150-plus panels on all of that and, you know, a couple hundred films, um, a lot. One of, one of the ones I'm most excited by is the uh, person who gave us uh, Blair Witch Project he has a world premiere at the festival called Skyman. And he's gone from uh, witches to alien. And I just, I love his film. I mean, it's really, 
wonderful. Um, we have so many great competition films this year. So, I mean, there's just so many, you know, I, I hate to be a name dropper. There are just, there are just so many people that are coming in who I'm very excited uh, to hear them talk about their work and for them to show either a retrospective film or TV show or, uh, you know, the, the guy who is the showrunner for Veep, David Mandel, and Alec Berg, who is the showrunner for Barry, are presenting their episodes, a couple of episodes they each wrote when they were on Seinfeld. I mean, that's a really exciting event for me um, as a fan of all their shows. Uh, so, so there's a lot of that. I mean, there's a little, there's something for anybody. It really, there are, we do have a lot of stuff that is great, um, for people who just love movies and television and don't want to be writers. And then if you're a writer uh, to me, I, a screenwriter or, or somebody wanting to write television, if you don't come, you're crazy. I mean, the access is, you know, incredible and, and, the information that people give here, they're so giving. You know, Hollywood doesn't have a reputation for being giving, but I will tell you, writers are giving. They really are. Um, and and they do very much so at the festival. So to me, that's, that's sort of the greatest thing that somebody could get out of it. Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.